It's basketball time. out of driving to Atlanta today for this game because I, I got no. these, I got these courtside seats. No way. I'm not talking to you. I would go. My pops is not coming. It's three hours and uh, Oh, you have two seats? Two tickets. Why was, is he not going? He's he's doing his Christmas gift to himself is he's going to do this road trip right after Christmas and he's going to Savannah, Hilton Head. He's doing a whole bunch of stuff on the coast. He wants to do history and all this kind of stuff. And but he's he's funny in that every time he comes over he comes over every Sunday to watch the Browns but he also been catching some Cavs games now that he's getting excited he's like popping up you can tell he's catching calf fever now um, that's good because he'll that's just good. pop up this is this is a this is a team like that man yeah. I I never I got to be honest with you man I never felt this way about the, the LeBron teams me either they, one team there was one team the one with Mo because I like Mo the, the Mo and Delonte team you're right I like Mo. Yeah. I like to, you want you want you want to get on you want to get on and, and talk. We've been rolling for ten minutes. Have we really? <laughs> I, I didn't know we've been on the whole time. Yeah, we'll we'll trim and chop whatever. Good, like, good. Oh, okay, this, keep, this feels pretty going. good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I never felt this way about the LeBron teams because um, it was always drama. Yeah, it was always drama with LeBron, and um, I love him. I love that he brought the Cavs a championship. Sure, but and, and I love that they were always in contention with him. But it just always felt like um, it was kind of hijacked by Understood. the control that he required over the total, the whole organization. I agree one hundred percent. There was a there was a feeling of impending anxiety with LeBron. Correct. That's and, exactly right. Um, one of the guys on the board that we're trying to walk through this and we're trying to talk off of this is X, right? Because like he's he's anti everything to do with Bron Bron <laughs> and. Even right now, he's like, um, "Oh man, anybody that's tied to that to that agency or that organization, you know, like Garland and all this kind of stuff." Yeah. He's just now starting to come away from that hard stance that he's taken, right? So I appreciate that. At the same time, that I'm trying to talk him out of it, um, mm-hmm. the thing that does the most damage is shout out to damage, by the way. The thing that does the most damage, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is how we we see. Everybody keeps popping up with these. Let's integrate him back into the conversation. LeBron. Oh my God! Please stop, yeah. so we can enjoy yeah. this team. Just enjoy the show. You're such a loser, Dad. You're such a loser, Dad. You're such a loser, Dad. Just enjoy the show. You're such a loser, Dad. You're such a loser, Dad. You're such a loser, Dad. Just enjoy the show. So um, just anyway, enjoy the team. Just yeah. enjoy the team. We, we're catching fire, like the Cavs fan base and stuff. I haven't even shown you. Um, I was up in Cleveland for Thanksgiving, 
um, during this little break that we had. And I went to the Orlando game. I sat courtside. Dude, I walked out of there with uh, custom jerseys, hats. I got rich field coliseum stuff. I probably spent like $200 in merch, just like feeling like a big kid. I I think I may have walked through the entire arena, just kind of like checking out every store and stuff. So it it feels like I'm reconnecting with my team from Richfield Coliseum without that impending anxiety that was there during the whole LeBron time. Here's here's what it is with this team. It's young dudes. It's young dudes that are relatable to I think like every generation rather than just like one single generation. And I I think it's because so I, I, I mean, I'm, I don't necessarily need to go like one by one, but like Garland is like a young, he's a young dude that plays a game that's very translatable. Like it's not, it's similar to Steph in that it's, he can shoot from all over the court. Right. I said this on the board, but like, I never saw somebody that, whose shots are so wet, man. Like, like everything he shoots, <laughs> I never seen somebody shoot something so high arcing that catches ju- just net when he makes it like I agree. that. I agree. No, and his I, handles. I'm okay handles, with, I'm okay with going through a person by person. Cause I mean, we got, uh, let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. But go ahead. So, so his, his game has that in common with Steph and that he's got that kind of new age, you know, current game and that, you know, he, he shoots from super deep. Sure. He's got those handles, but he seems like a super nice, and not to say guys now aren't nice. He just seems like a super nice kid, and he's got that game that's kind of spanned across like a lot of generations, sure. and that he moves the ball real well. Like, he's a very unselfish dude. Like, it just doesn't feel like it's all about him, even though he can he can play a little bit flashy. Yeah. When you look at a guy like Mobley, bro, that dude's game is so old school. <clears throat> well, just real quickly on Garland, um, you know, you know how much of a hoop. I'm, I'm gonna butcher this word. Is it aficionado? Help aficionado. Me, thank you for that. There's a couple of words that, <laughs> saying that saying that one and spelling Wednesday. I struggle with Wednesday every day. You got to sound it out. You got to sound it out. I have to right? Yeah, but you got to sound it out. It doesn't right. matter. Like if if I'm typing really fast and I'm I'm trying to do like scheduling and stuff like that, I always just abbreviate it in W E D. I butcher yeah. every time. Emails. There's a, there's I a word. I got a Wednesday. I'm gonna have to. Th- I'll think about it in the background. I'll I'll run that as like a subconscious program right. for you and get back to you on this. But there is a word for me that's like there's not many words. Words are my thing. Right. There is a word for me. I never fucking struggle. Get it. Struggle. Keep going. Keep going. Aficionado is that for me? So yeah, I get it. I get it. Uh, and I just did it again. I just butchered it. I know I did. There's <laughs> there's a uh, so I started. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I started at seven seconds or less, which is... I never heard of it. Uh, it's by Jack McC- McCullum, and he's basically covering the, the Phoenix Suns. He got like a front row seat through the whole season, 05, 06. Okay. So not the first resurgence of him, like when Dan Tony and Nash and Joe Johnson, everybody took the lead by storm. The next year... Yeah, okay, yeah, that's yeah. right. I remember this. So uh, this is the second season um, after... All that crap happened with, uh, you know, like when Nash got his nose busted up and stuff in the playoffs. I do remember that busted nose. He got hip checked and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so this team actually has some pressure on it, you know, because Joe Johnson left to go to Atlanta. 
They they uh they got Boris Diaw back as a result of that sign and trade. Diaw, yeah. They're integrating Tim Thomas. They're doing like they they're just like look at these dudes on the cover. Look how look how fun that team looks. They were fun. They were super fun. They were fun. And so they're and the assistant coaches were Terry Stotts, uh, Alvin Gentry. Um, okay. Everybody who was an assistant under Mike D'Antoni is a coach now, right? Okay. Um, I restarted that because I read it. Uh, maybe 10 years ago when a book first came out, maybe like 07, 08. And there's been a link that I've, I've I see the parallels between Garland's game right now and mm-hmm. that, that age yes. of Nash. Yes. And so as I'm reading this, I go back and there's games on YouTube. You can find of the 05 and 06 sons. Dude, his game is exactly like the yes, only, the only difference between, because uh, I watched the game yesterday early in the day, getting ready for the game. And I'll just have him playing in the background. And Nash was playing against, uh, I think it was Dallas. Um, but he was, his everything about his floater, the way that he would create with his passing and stuff, the only... The lobs. Uh, the lobs, yeah. So, like, he, but he used his floater and lobs just like Garland does yep. to create for the bigs. That's right. The only difference was you knew that he only had Amari Stoudemire for that. So as, right. if you saw him coming down the lane, defenders were like, okay, wherever stat is at, that's, you know, everybody else, mm-hmm. you know, even Sean Marion would like uh, settle for jumpers way more than he should have. And the rest of the supporting team was just shooters. Mm-hmm. This guy has got two of them and they, mm-hmm. they're equally as uh, imposing. So you were getting ready mm-hmm. to transition into Mobley. Mm-hmm. He hasn't even got the synergy yet with Mobley, but he he's he's developing it that he mm-hmm. has with Allen. Like Allen, he knows him and Allen are right on the same page. At all, some times, of those lobs. From, if you're if you're looking because you don't have the right angle for like when you're watching on that baseline cam, uh, they look like they're going to be shots until you see Allen coming in. And it's like, oh my god, that was a lob. That was a lob that whole time. He did one. That was a lob. That last game that we just had at, before this Milwaukee one, I can't remember who it was. Um, he actually did something off the backboard where he knew. Yeah, and it was either Mobley or Allen, but he was like, "I know these both of these defenders at some point in time are going to sell out on me, so I'm gonna mm-hmm. let this guy just go get it." And it's not even about the assists and stuff, but he's we're really starting to unlock this kid, man. I will never not get out of my seat for a backboard lob because <laughs> my first experience with backboard lobs. Or really, just the big lobs in general right. was the Michigan Fab Five team. Yes, sir. When I, and so, sorry for going off on Michigan guys. I know everybody's Ohio here, but Michigan Fab Five. I was I was a nine, ten year old kid, dude. That team. No, whoever, I love that. Jalen, Jawan, dude. The way that that team was lobbing and they were bouncing off the backboard. They were doing reverse dunks. They were super like before, before anybody was really going off like that. Yep. So when I see dudes doing that now, I just feel like I'm a kid again. Jumper just now by the Michigan offense. They don't want to take it in there. Well, what a pass. What a catch. What a dunk. So when these dudes are playing like that, I know, I know they're not the only guys in the league doing that. Obviously this has been going on, <laughs> but it's the Cavs doing it now. Um, I, I absolutely I love those Fab Five teams uh, until they play Jimmy Jackson in Ohio State, and, I, and then I'll be like, "All right, it's time for you guys to lose." 
uh, was when Scooney Penn, when Scooney and Mike Red came along, I felt yeah. like that was payback for what they did to us during yep. the uh, Jimmy Jackson yeah. era. But that's exactly right. Against everybody else, man, there was a feeling like, man, like I went, of course, but I wasn't playing in basketball socks, but I went and got these church socks that were black. And I was wearing these black church socks with my um Everybody was, yeah. You know? And it was like Oh yeah. I probably look I don't know what I look like out there, but I started wearing my shorts way longer. Like they Everybody did, man. They, they were doing it in the NBA. Man. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, no, and everybody except for against Jimmy Jackson and Ohio State, I was okay with that. Yep, I think I think that was kind of just the trend. But so back back to back to the NBA and the Cavs. Um, he he is man. I, I think Nash has has become the easy comp for him. I because because you know you know you don't want to do the staff comparison for anybody. Yeah, like comparing somebody to LeBron or Jordan. But I, I think Nash is a super good comparison. By the way, the word I came up with a word that I can never spell right. What you got? And it, and it works well for both of these two dudes. Rhythm. 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 Which both of them have. <laughs> they got Wait, great rhythm playing. I think I struggle with rhythm myself. I just I sat here and I was like R Y H R. It's impossible because there's the H's and Y's all over the place, like sticking out. They just they're just ridiculous. They're in weird places. So um, rhythm is the word that you have. You basically you like I give up on this one and I know I'm gonna misspell it. So I'm gonna let my spell check get it every. Bro, time. I use I'm a writer, so I use gram I use Grammarly, Grammarly all day, anyways. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm in. I'm in Grammarly most of the day, so it it just hit, you handle it. <laughs> rhythm is your word. Okay, Grammarly handles it for me. Rhythm is um, in that. Uh, rhythm is in my top five of words that I don't even try. I just start mm-hmm. it, and I'm like, get me, like computer help. You handle it. Like help you me. handle it. <laughs> you handle it for me. Um. So, Alan, I, I think we had an episode where I don't even know if we bothered. He was like the guy that we left off. Um, talking about his game. I know we talked about the fact that where if we thought somebody was on the message board, it would probably be Alan. I'm sticking. I'm Absolutely. sticking by my guns. I'm on that sticking one. with that too. Then he just strike you as a dude where like he he goes home, closes the door, sits down, maybe texts his buddies like good game. You know what I'm saying? Like he he just he maybe he just grabs a pizza or something. Jumps like right that. into it. Or eggs. Yep. Eggs is the one dude said he saw him shopping for eggs. Just gets on, sits down on the message board. <laughs> It jumps right into it, and it's like, look, jumps right into it. You know, like I don't think he's the only one that's online checking things out, but he for sure, Doctor Block, Doc Block, <laughs> Doc Block, <laughs> Doc Block. Yeah, yeah. And um, he's a I, no. I I agree. I think most of these guys do. Yeah, Durant. Somebody called him. Said he had the biggest rabbit ears in the NBA, and and I agree. I, I love his game so much, and I just can't. I can't do it with the constantly. Yeah, just checking in and firing back on what people are saying about him. Like, I, I get that these dudes are probably sensitive, like just like anybody else is. Well, come on, man. especially these dudes that have had really tough upbringings. Like, I know that that makes it way worse. Um, but like, dude, we were spoiled. Come on, we were spoiled. Um, we had this maniacal Jordan who, if even if social media was, I got out, it. He he wouldn't have been on social media. We had that guy. That's, that's a fair point. We had, he had nothing to reply to. Nothing to reply. He didn't even care. We had this Charles Barkley who loved to tell you he could care the F less. Like, I mean, yeah. 20 years later, Barkley is still at the forefront of basketball social media because he just says whatever the hell he wants with no filter. I love that so much about I him. I do, too. Though. And so we were spoiled because we had personalities like that that were like the face of the league that were like, okay. we, we don't care. Okay. And so today's face of the league, LeBron's KD's like... 
you almost find yourself rooting for the Stephs and stuff like that because, or even five years ago, like I was, there was an All Star game where they introduced the whole starters and everybody was up there um, uh, shaking and all this kind of stuff and trying to do everything for social media. And then they showed Derrick Rose and he's just standing there like, man, I, like what? Like I'm what not are you even, doing. Like I'm, why am I up here with these clowns? Let's hoop. And you were like, wait, I want to root for that guy. I don't want Chicago to beat us. I, I do. I mean, I I do. Whether whether ever. I mean, I guess you'd have to ask your like your daughters or like my son's a little young for that age. Right. Like, okay, so let me let me take this back a little bit. I'm with you. I know what you're saying. Right. We grew up in a different area. This is that whole generation. And it's like every generation sort of gets this tick where we like forget what douchebags we were as a kids or like what habits we had that were so <laughs> stupid and annoying. And then we put it on the next generation. Like, oh, you guys are so annoying. Like, what, what does it matter with you? And it's like, yeah, if they were alive whenever we were young and saw all the bullshit we were pulling. But you're right. You are you are right. They didn't have social media to respond to. And there wasn't the whole element of, like, sitting in a press conference and, like, calling out all the guys for the, for the questions that they asked like there is now. That wasn't a thing. Right. So you're, you're right. I appreciate what you're saying. Um. Let me bring this to the Cavs. These guys are young. They aren't getting called out much. There's nothing to really call them out about. They don't strike me as the type of dudes who are super sensitive guys like that are going to be like poking around um, and getting into fights. But we don't know that yet because they're not like superstar level guys. So they're on this like front end of a wave. You know what I mean? Sure. Like they're not at that like rock and superstardom, which I think is why they're like so fun to root for because it's that like fresh level of like, all we got right now is that Derrick Rose, like let's play basketball. Let's just hoop. Let's get out like freshly driven snow, get out there and let's hoop. And that's fun. That's so fun for us. Right. I agree. All we're watching right now is a bunch of young dudes getting out and playing basketball. Oh, this basketball. Can I give you some let me give you some nerd stuff right now? I'm gonna nerd it up real quick. <laughs> Since November twenty seventh, Cavs are second in the league in three point percentage at forty two percent. Wow. They're only making fourteen a game, which is eighth in the league. So they're middle of the pack in frequency of threes that they take, but they're second in percentage and they're third in field goal percentage overall. Jazz are tops of the league in everything, right? So, of course. And, and it, what, to me, what all this says, right, super, super efficient play. Sure. And that Jazz team, they lost two by one point. And then this team, what they've been doing over this last month, when you actually watch them, I mean, those are stats, but when you watch them play, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's game by game what they do. They deconstruct these teams that they're playing against. They move that ball really well. Man. And those stats that I just gave you, they don't even compare to the defense, man. They're number two in the league on defense. <laughs> and at like everything. Jig everything. coming back with the stats. That, that was well done. Um, I would say the great analogy, great parallel between them and the Jazz. And but but I think that there's something beautiful in what you pointed out that the Jazz are tops. They're they're first. In that, uh, was it three point completion or three point percentage? They're, they're top. I mean, dude, they're tops in like everything, right. um, right now. But yes, they are, they are number one in three point percent over that period of time. And I think the whole year, right. three point percentage and three points made. And I'm pretty sure field goals made, field goal percentage too. So the, there, here's the irony in that those bud teams that we used to, uh, that we used to tear apart, um, 
when with, with him and the Hawks. I think one of the main reasons why we used to tear them apart was because they were tops in the league for that too. And That's as right. a as a team, they would come. They I think they won sixty two games um, every year. They 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 were basically what the Jazz are now, except for they did it defensively. With Horford was a different type of defensive presence. He was more of a switching, and you know he was like a Tristan kind of defensive presence as opposed to a Gobert just blocking shots kind of defensive presence. Right. right? That's right. Um, and so, but the problem is that over an 82 game season, if you're too extreme in that, that becomes, you become lazy. So like those teams, both Atlanta and the current Utah team, when you get into a seven game series, they don't have the balance in their offense for when people take away what they love to do the most, which was yep. just space the floor and shoot. And so I like that you pointed out that we're eighth because that lends itself not just because uh, it's only been since the 27th. So that I think that that was the Orlando game right there. Not That's on, correct. Right. Not only because it's but because we do have balance to our floor like we we work inside out first. And I, I give 100 percent credit to JBB because as this first started earlier in the yeah. year, I was worried that it was too grit and grind uh, dependent and that we would not open the floor as these guys started learning how to win. He's he, we've done the absolute opposite of that. Oh my God. So we established first and foremost that we're going to pound you. Like we're going to get the big guys going inside. We go, we're going to attack your rim. And then as that softens up your defense, these dudes start searching. And that's when uh, these higher guns off the bench, Jetty, oh, love man. these dudes come off the bench and they just start sniping people. Even, even <laughs> um, D Wade, dude. Yeah. Oh man, do you know how much I love Dean Wade? Like D- you do. I, and it's not so even like Stick, I, Stick Boltman. I think it was too, right? It's, yeah, he was talking about it. What did he? What was his first? He's uh, shutting people's lights off. I yeah. love Dean Wade because shutting their water off. Shutting yeah. their water off. That's right. I love Dean Wade as a eighth or ninth guy. Like I love yeah. him as an eighth or ninth guy. Yeah, he's giving me like Kurt Rambis with a jumper kind of vibes. And what, <laughs> yeah, right. I love but Kurt. what I what I love most about this guy is kind of similar to Lamar Stevens. He's like this guy that we kind of like a rehab slash long term project. Like, what if this guy actually turns into something? Do you remember when we first saw him in summer league with that other dude that, that that guard that we were just like, man, can we cut him like today? And I can't. He was just this stiff white dude, and I was just kind of like. Please get the ball out of his hands. And so, like, but it, it made me look at Dean Wade the same way, and I was like, yeah, him too. But then as soon as we started seeing him, it was like, wait, no, he sees the game. He's kind of smart. He's not forcing anything. He's like a homeless – he's a homeless man's love. I he's mean, a homeless man's love. Yeah. And so yeah. I, what I've loved about him is watching him with his confidence grow as his role's been defined. Yeah. I think he knows, okay, I might get a spot start here and there, and I'll definitely, you know, get 10 or 15 minutes – uh, because the way these guys are phasing in and out and stuff, like I can, I can make an impact. But when he does get on the court, he's not forcing anything and he's playing within himself. As a whole, if the entire team embodies that, you know. And so there's, uh, there's, there's personalities. There's uh, with the call we did with damage. Uh, he's he's talking so psychoanalytic and stuff. But there is a human element to the way the team develops too. And what I'm finding from Wade is the total antithesis of what we see from Denzel Valentine, but it balances out. Right? Oh, God. Like every time this kid touches the floor, a shot is going up. And uh, I've watched the last couple Laker games uh, since they signed Isaiah Thomas. 
It's the same thing with him. Like, the minute he touches the floor, a shot is going up. Mm-hmm. And so you need guys like Dean Wade who are like, you know what? Nope. You know, and we, you hope that your team as a whole takes on more of his personality. And that's mm-hmm. what it's looking like. It's looking like the team as a whole is taking on, like, Garland and Allen's personality, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know Rubio's been that steady veteran. Oh, uh, yeah. But if Garland's playing a certain type of way where he's like, all right, let's move this ball, let's do this. The whole team move, it zips around the perimeter. It's like even Jetty passes up shots and is like, let me get a better shot if Garland's playing mm-hmm. that way. Mm-hmm. And if Allen is covering for guys and he's selling out defensively, then you'll see guys like, you'll, even, you'll see Jetty diving on the floor on defense. So mm-hmm. Garland's setting the tone offensively. Mm-hmm. Allen's setting the tone defensively. And then jointly, you know, like whenever they're on the same page, man, this team is deconstructing some guys. So I want to talk about Rubio real quick. So first thing about Rubio is the way he shoots threes reminds me of my grandfather who, <laughs> who whenever I'd play horse with my grandfather and he would just walk outside and say, I'm going to show you guys what's going on. And it would just take him like about three hours to set up to set shop and then just off that thing up there and i think he shot probably you know 10 to 12 percent right it's difficult to watch it's a little painful it goes in i think 33 percent of the time something along those lines sure. which makes it worth taking sure anytime he makes it it looks like a child sailboat toy sailboat going down the drain <laughs> it always swirls into the basket it's i've everything. never seen him swish a three <laughs> like it, it looks like an accident like <laughs> Can we on the same page though say that his shot, the the fading to the left, I'm gonna yes. get my balance in the air. That oh, thing yeah. is a thing of beauty. Like I, it, if you give Rubio so, a chance to get that shot off. I love Rubio. I absolutely love Rubio. <laughs> he makes me so happy anytime he's out there because I know he's gonna settle the team. Right. He's gonna make it work. It's just one of those things where he just fits perfectly into the plan of the team. Um, he does something very different than what Garland does, sure. but he can play with Garland, it, which is which is such a great thing about him because he can both he can move the ball or he can shoot the ball if he needs to, and he's very settled. He made that play at the at the uh, end of the half um, against I was at the Bulls or the Hawks, I can't remember where he had just made a basket and then he stole the ball oh, yeah. um, with like a second left and dropped it right into Ed Davis's hands. No, that play I was mean, awesome. he's just, he's so smart. He's the dude that like when you're in the playoffs and you're in game, you know, four or five, he just goes off for like 25 points and 10 assists. And it's like, without him, you don't win the series. You know what I mean? Absolutely. No, he, um, here's, here's where I challenge Anybody on the board, anybody who's listening to this, get lost in the right now. Like, for, so like, because yeah. ev- right now, everybody, you know, like Rich and some of those guys who I really appreciate because they bring balance that are always forward thinking, that are always like, this is going to be a problem at trade deadline kind of thing. Like, just watch them right now. Like, honestly, you know, like, yeah. so r- yeah. like right now, the battle is, oh, should Rubio be untouchable or should we actually, you know, we don't want to mess up the heartbeat of the team. Like, just lose yourself in the right now. Because, like, the way these dudes are playing every single With a night. team like us. Yeah, yeah, every single night when they're going out there, he's impacting guys. Like, he, you're, you're seeing Rubio raise Garland's IQ every single Correct. game. Correct. Whether, like, what you just said, whether he's playing along with him or he's, you know, giving him a spell and showing him how to settle things down. Like, you've got to be, you've got to lose sight of the macro 
for this season because this is what we do the macro for. We do the macro so that when it starts catching fire, you can actually sit back and be like, all right, I built this fire. You know, like that doesn't mean take your foot off the pedal if you're Kobe Altman. But if you're us and you're able to sit back and just be like, let me watch this on a day to day basis as these guys learn and grow. Let let the Rubio thing play out. So I agree with you 100 percent. I love watching him. But I also I think every time I see Rubio on the court, he's a reminder to me to be present. You know, like at the beginning of the season, we were like, okay, this is a smart move from the standpoint of we can turn him into future assets. Like for sure. Somebody's going to need that veteran guy at the deadline. Mm -hmm. And mm-hmm. this, ooh, this might be our way to get our wing. You know, like this is what we That's were right. thinking when we first acquired right. him before we got Mobley. And as this thing is playing out, it's like Rubio on the back of his jersey instead of Rubio, it should say present. Like it should literally say, <laughs> just be present, just watch just every watch game, the just game, game, just, just watch the games, dude. The, the you know what one of the biggest stats is to me? These guys have played the second toughest schedule in the NBA. That's amazing. Now, granted. I know that some of these teams that they've gone and this is a, to the other end. There's all there's always a counterpoint to everything, right? Like sure. some of these teams that they played haven't had their um, best guys in there, right? So so you're gonna throw up a big um, winning percentage against the Cavs and they didn't have those guys out. Remember the LeBron teams? Remember what they do? They'd go up against these shit teams and they'd lose to them. They or would. it would turn into this, oh like, just not even fun game to watch because, like, they'd go into overtime against these guys and you'd be worried about, man, like, why is LeBron going to have to play 42 minutes to Ugh. beat, like, you know, the the Bucks, you know, like, back in, like, 2012. And it's one of these days, these guys do not play down. They don't play down. It was so, they Jig, it was so frustrating. down to their competition. Were, every time we played – uh and I can't even think of I can't even think of the crappy teams. You knew they always that, struggled with the Jazz. Always. Well, yeah, no, they did because Sundiata uh, Games. I remember had this oh, man, big like game winning <laughs> shot. Sundiata Games. I remember that it was it, it was at the queue too. Uh, but yeah, that's was. that was that was the thing because every time you knew it be, when you first saw the schedule, you were like, oh no, um, so and Duncan and Ginobili and Parker are out. Oh no, like Brian's not even going to show up, and you knew it was going to be a problem. Like because it was the Spurs, because yeah. not just because it was the Spurs, but and and then the, also the teams who didn't have the guys that Brown would like high five and stuff before the game. Like he was going to yep. play hard against D Wade. He's going to play hard against Bosh. Yep. He's going to play hard against KD and Russ and all that kind of stuff. But yep. when it was a bunch of guys who were kind of like what the what the Cavs were to start the season, where you're like, eh. Like, you knew it was going to be a tough game because he was going to coast. And then he was going to stand around looking at everybody else like, why aren't you guys playing as if I'm not on the court? And glare at these dudes. <laughs> Just, what a pain in the ass. These <laughs> dudes don't do it. They don't do it. They don't they, do you that. Know, you know, I, somebody called it. it this on social media. They called it a cavalanche whenever the Cavs like put it that. on everybody. I, like I don't that. know. So, some people like it. Some people don't. It's great. It's like watching those Warriors teams, man. Like, you just watch the other team. And it's like, dude, did they seriously just put up twelve? You points see their shoulders minutes? drop. So and so, let's They're talk. Done. Let's talk about Cavalanche just for a second, because there are like small traits that shows you the Cavalanche is happening. Like the Garland skip. Like when okay. when you see the Garland skip, the Cavalanche is happening. Mm-hmm. The uh, the Jared Allen scowl. Like he's like he's gotten now to a point. Where if he does a crazy block or if he does mm-hmm. a, because man, he's killing people in the post. 
Like he is, he's like, over seventy percent right now, and he can shoot free throws. Nobody does this. Brad Doherty has to be creaming himself like every single single <laughs> game <laughs> because you know he's like, oh, those post moves. Oh, like you're like, wait, it's like slow down, slow down, Brad. Footwork, dude. Oh my, Bra- oh my God, like Brad Doherty man. loves some footwork. Yeah. And Allen's footwork, like just last night, he had three different plays where he was moving full speed on fast break, caught the ball, did different pivots uh, and stuff. And I'm like, wait, wait a second. Are we looking at Olajuwon? Like, what is this? Dude, like when he collects that ball down low and he'll have like three guys on him. Dude is it's like, us- there's no way he's coming out of that group with that ball, is he? And he does. It's and amazing. It's just like. Are people like letting him? It's it's like he's like a little kid with a bunch of like dads, like just oh just let him just let him score. Yeah, just, just let, let him, him score. Just do like, thing. Like what? I was, so last night. The, so every night, if you if you find the minutia, if you find the micro that you can watch. Mm-hmm. Last mm-hmm. night for me, I was like when I saw the roster, I was like even though they're playing Swedish uh, Skilla, whatever who they the Bucks got some guys off of the um, trash heap. The literally right before the game. They were right. like, let's sign a couple of these guys that were playing um, overseas. Right. There was one matchup that I was like, this is a this is a parameter. And that was Cousins and Allen. And yeah. as the game started, you watched because you knew that when Allen got drafted, Cousins was the best big man in the league. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there's going to be a little bit of gauging where you are. Yes, I know Cousins mm-hmm. now is on his last uh, 10 days or something like that. But. There's still the mental and all that kind of stuff approach. Sure. And so uh, what we saw from Allen yesterday is when the game first started, you know, cousin, he he gave cousins a little bit of ground. Then he started like bowing up and he's, you know, kind of like uh, we we watched him say, wait a minute, this ain't what it used to be. Nope. You know, like and there were a nope. couple offensive possessions where he powered over cousins. There was mm-hmm. a couple times where he took shots that he probably wouldn't take unless he was challenging cousins like he. He took two or three outside shots to get Cousins' big ass out of the paint. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Allen, to me, last night's matchup, I wanted to see his nuts drop, and I, I feel like we saw that. Oh, big time! And how he challenged and climbed Mountain Mount, Mount Cousins because he's and, and and I don't mean that like Cousins is still that guy. I mean it from the standpoint of exercising old ghosts or demons and kind of thing. You know, like if right now you ran into your middle school or, or elementary school bully. And you just walked up to him and just, you know, popped him in the nose. That's what I saw from Allen last night that, like, mm-hmm. he, the rest of the league doesn't even stand a chance until it comes to uh, just, just an Embiid. Um, but he gave, like, even Gobert, he gave him some work where mm-hmm. I was like, is this guy in those guys' tier? You know, mm-hmm. when the season mm-hmm. started, there was, there was four or five guys, Embiid, Gobert, Jokic, like a couple of guys, you're like, yeah, he's not up there. But then mm-hmm. he's he's right in that next tier with Aiton and Capella and all these guys. I I feel like Allen is up there with those guys. Like I feel like if, on any given night he can he can give them a run. Uh, look, the reality is his role isn't to shoot any jump shots. Absolutely. He's not gonna he's not gonna take it beyond the um, free throw line. And when he does, he he and he did yesterday. I mean, it's ugly as hell. So he's not <laughs> that guy. He doesn't need to be that guy. Right. Um. So. We're not. We're never gonna hopefully see that become part of his game. As long as that's not part of his game, he's never gonna be Embiid. He's never gonna be Jokic. He's never gonna be you know what Cousins. I used to love Cousins. He's never gonna be what Cousins you know was at one point. But Mobley will be that guy. Right. Mobley's gonna be one of the best players in the league. So because of all that, 
as long as Allen can play to the max of his ability, then he can be like a uh, Gobert type of role. Right. You know, he can he can fall somewhere in that type of range. And I mean, I'm not claiming he's going to max out at this level. Gobert's a Hall of Famer. Gobert's going to be a Hall of Famer. He's given us um, he's given us just before prime Ewing right now. I don't know if you. Oh, okay. Those, there you go. Those early, those Patrick, because Pat Riley didn't let Ewing do whatever he wanted. Um, he he pretty much was like, "This is what I need you Pat to do." Just learn to shoot, though. Fuck. Man. Yeah, eventually he he started giving them that that uh, open up the floor. Um, but mm-hmm. uh, before they got to the finals, before he got waxed by the Lajuan um, Rockets and stuff, um, mm-hmm. he was he was content being just this thing, just the hub of that top ten, top five defense for those mm-hmm. those Knicks, those nasty Knicks. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, uh, by the way, there's a there's a book that I, I cannot wait. I keep checking. It's coming out and it's about that time. It's about that time period where Riley and the Knicks just started taking, um, you know, he, he came from L.A. and he helped transform those guys. He got Oakley and all those guys. Um, and I believe it's coming out early January. I'll, I'll, I'll tag this with with a thing for it. I can't wait for that thing to come out because that made the Knicks my secondary team. So watching, I watched them they every time fun. I could. They were fun. I like Starks. I just I, like Starks. My a favorite lot. player. I got his his book is over yeah. here as well. Um, I just like Starks a lot. I love Derek Harper. Like he just he Derek was, Harper. He was yeah, like this like six Derek five Harper. point guard who just back guys down, and then you sub out Harper and Greg Anthony comes in. But anyway, I, I don't want to get into the. They were fun from the standpoint of so. There's parallels here. We're using the Suns' offense from. The early D'Antoni, 0506, and okay. the Knicks defense from that, you know, that 92, 93, that period of time where they beat up okay. everybody except for Jordan. And okay. that's what we're seeing. We're seeing Darius Garland and that Nash 0506 role. We're seeing Jarrett okay. Allen and that Ewing 92, 93, 94 defensive okay. hub of the team. And Honestly, if you go and you you compare these two stats, the Ewing from that period of time to Allen, we're seeing Jared Allen look like this guy, this 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 guy who's going on to um, and he was in that next tier, you know, because he he couldn't get over the shack. David Robinson would give him trouble. Um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, like there were certain guys around the league that would just eat his lunch. But Mm -hmm. he was a part of a collective so that he Mm -hmm. uh, as a team defender and as a team mm-hmm. offensive player, they would beat them some nights. And mm-hmm. I think that's where Allen is at right now in regard to like the Embiid's and the Jokic's and stuff. I, I know mm-hmm. I gave you this long diatribe, but that's my two parallels. Garland to Nash in that period of time with the way he impacted the offense of the Suns and Allen to Ewing with those those dirty Knicks. I can't wait to get so my calling it, calling it back a little bit. I want to I want to give somebody his due. Now I, I can think of somebody we we have never given any credit to on this show. And you know, I think you know who's coming. I think you know who's coming. Ice or ice? I think you call him. Are we talking about Jesus. ice, ice baby? Ice, ice baby. Man. Whoa, yep. whoa. Let's start with the dunk. Well, you talk about executing. I can talk about the last four or five games and what you've done offensively, or we can just talk about your dunk. I think all of everybody here wants to talk about that dunk in that moment. Just take us through that and how it felt to have that dunk. Uh, I mean, it was crazy. I, I didn't even see the ball go in. I just heard the crowd go wild, so I knew I made the dunk. So it, it was pretty crazy. And you made a look. I'm only bringing this up because you're going to see this a lot. Mm-hmm. This dunk is going to be seen everywhere. 
Just talk about just where your game is going right now and the confidence you've been playing with over the last two weeks. Uh, I mean, I just put the work in. So I always do. I always go find my rhythm. My game was good to come. So, I mean, now it's starting to be shown. Do you guys feel like you're becoming the team that you worked for during training camp to become a team that's really hard to deal with defensively and offensively? Yeah, I mean, we put in the work in day in and day out. So, I mean, uh, the work is showing right now. Let's start with that dunk. Please. Over three dudes just slamming that shit. I mean, that's one of the best dunks I've ever seen. That was one of the I best mean, dunks, that was... man. We like we can literally, and we're gonna drop the sound of it right here because everybody's everybody's watched it. He perfectly bounced off of the three defenders so that they kind of balanced him out to where he could punish them like that. And the way it closed out with him looking around at this carnage. Yeah, he looked he around like he almost looked. <laughs> that was an interesting look because he almost looked around like he was like, wait a second. <laughs> It was it was it was like Neo from the Matrix. Like, did I just do that? Yes, like, that's exactly what that looked. But it was like. he had just enough bad ass to the way he looked around. Yes, exactly. And then exactly. that picture that that steal that they caught, which is going to be our um, our album art for this episode right here, where he's just like mugging the the camera at the same time that he's mugging the bench. That like he he dunked on the entire city. Like who like. Who, who, who was that? that? The Houston? He dunked on the entire city of Houston in that one play. And it, it's so crazy that he had to go right into protocols right after that game. Because yeah. I promise you, Jig, if he had played that next night, he may have he, he may have went off for like 30. I think the ice has been unleashed, man. I think ice has been unleashed as well. And the reason I don't think that this is a fluke is because it's not like he's just doing one thing in all these games. Right. He's doing it all. He's doing everything. So here's here's what he's done over these games. Um, it started um, with that Bulls game. Sure. He didn't have a huge game against the Bulls, um, but he had a game. Was it, it was 15 or um, 17 against the Bulls? No, no, against the Bulls, he had nine points. Okay. Um, but he was over 50% in that game, and he defended reasonably well. Then he got going against Minnesota, okay? He hit a three. He scored 16 points. He, he, um, he was at seven out of ten. And for him, hitting seven out of ten field goals, really in his career up to that point, had been uh, pretty unheard of. Like, he had just had not had games like that. And then after every game, seven out of nine field goals, seven out of 12 field goals, seven out of nine field goals. In each one of those games, he hit multiple threes. And um, he was in, he's been in that 20 point range. Just what Isaac has done over the last week and a half, two weeks. I know you guys talk about the importance of everybody on this team, but he's had some of his best scoring nights and he shut down almost every score he's faced. <laughs> no, I see does his job, man. Uh, he comes in every night. Um, he always have a tough matchup every night. So he comes in, plays really good defense, and then he's being really aggressive on offense. Uh, I've been trying to tell him that for two years now to be aggressive. So <laughs> two years now. So uh, he started to fight it, uh, make some trade balls being aggressive in transition, dunking on people now. So it's good to see finally. Yeah, he's been dunking on people, but the trade balls are starting to fall now. So <laughs> have you ever seen him dunk on three people like he did tonight? Not basically made afterwards? Not three people. I seen him dunk on a couple people though. I'll, he usually had a little flex with his little muscles, but he ain't flex today. <laughs> <laughs>
So here's the thing about this. He has not laid off of any shots in these games. He's taken it to the hoop. He's hit his free throws. He's shooting those threes. He's physical on defense. And really, what he's been doing is he's been playing within the flow. Within the, the flow. Game. Yep. That was it for him. He <laughs> just wasn't playing in the flow. He was he getting scared. He was. He was overthinking things. What What we've seen is a guy who's not thinking right now. Um, and I don't know if they've just had enough video sessions. I don't. I don't know. Like we had to tough through some of those games because there was. A, t- a couple times where you saw him out there and you were like, should he be at this level or should he put on pads and go play a- on the lakefront? And it was, you knew he had the physicality. You knew that he had the uh, the quads, but you were like, what is it about him as a basketball player that he's not? I think what happened was they had enough film that they, that a light bulb could go on for him. Where they're, you know, I don't care if he's sitting down with JJ Outlaw or uh, Buckner or whoever, and they're like, they're like, look, Ice, like, look, you're literally hurting the team if you're not. When that ball finds you doing this, if you're not doing that, and I think what we're seeing, so what we're seeing from this guy is a guy who's not thinking the game while he's playing it. So like, yes. his role has been defined for him. When he gets the ball and he's coming around, he's curling around. He's like, my goal is to get somebody on my shoulder now or, you know, get my shoulder past somebody and I'm, I'm going to the rim. And there's been a couple of times where you're like, wait, no, you want to. But you know what? Go with it. You know, like just as long as you're not thinking, just go with it. When he's in the corner and that ball finds him, he's not thinking, man. Like it looks natural. This looks like the kid that I saw in some of those Auburn games where I was like, he looks like Brad Bill without a jump shot. He's all over the floor. He's guarding four positions. The ball's finding him. He's finding guys. That's what he's looking like right now. The the thing that I'd say is the difference is now he's got a jump shot because he's hitting his jump shot. I mean, he's he's had multiple threes over the last four games, it looks like. I mean, he's hitting them. I mean, he's splashing them good. He's running down the floor looking confident. He's always been defending. But the other thing is, is what I like about this team, it never really seemed like there was anybody that got on each other about mistakes sure, and it sure. might just be because of where they are in the process. It's real early. They're not playing super high stakes games yet. I never really, you don't really see Garland like jumping down guys throats. If, if there's a turnover or a missed pass, that's not really Rubio's way of playing either. Right. Right. And it, you know, certainly Mobley's a young guy. Like he's not, he doesn't seem to be that type of leader. So I, I just wonder if it's one of those things where maybe they sat down in a film session. They were like, listen, dude, we don't care if you've turned the ball over five times in a row. We just want you to get better. So do it a few games in a row. <laughs> we believe in you. Just go do this thing. And I still will say, I don't know what every coach in the NBA does. I have no idea. I do know that sometimes I'll see stuff stand out about people. Sure. I'm not going to go down the list. There's been stuff that, as I've read about Popovich, stood out to me. And I was like, man, that's what I want in a leader. That's what I want in a coach. I will say to the end of my dying day that when I saw this thing about the note cards that JBB put on everybody's locker with maybe like maybe three things that he wanted everybody to do throughout sure. the season. Sure. I'm like, that's what a coach should do. That's my, that's guy. what a manager should do. <laughs> that's what you do. You give everybody three things. You say, this is what I want you to be good at this season. Uh, if you don't do anything else, I don't care. This is what you're good at. This is what I believe in. Cause not everybody's a robot. 
not everybody's good at everything. Right, right, right. People suck at lots of stuff. People are great at other stuff. And if you know what those things are, it makes it so much easier. And it makes me believe that he picked some things for this dude and he just kept going after him and saying, you do these things, you're going to be successful. Right. Uh, I mean, we did the job that we had to do. Um, you know, I thought we played well up to our standards. Um, and that's all you can ask for. You talk about a standard and building a standard. How difficult is it to build a standard, but is it more difficult to hold that standard as you go along now? Well, I think the guys have to have a clear picture of what those standards are. Uh, and what is acceptable for this group and our performance and, you know, how we play and how we execute. Um, so, you know, once you paint that picture and then it becomes the accountability piece, um, you know, we have to hold each other to it. And it's not just coaches to players, you know, it's players to coaches, it's player to player, um, you know, and then everybody that's involved, we have to hold each other to those standards. Over these last few games, we've asked you about Isaac almost every game. And last game, I think Duncan Robinson hit one three-pointer, and I asked him, and he was mad about it. It seems over these last few games he's scoring points, but he's also keeping his job defensively. Just Can you talk about the growth that you've seen in him in the last couple of weeks? Well, it's the confidence and the belief um, you know, that he is an elite defender, and I think you know we know it. Uh, the league is beginning to recognize it, um, you know, and that carries over to his confidence on the offensive end of the floor. Uh, he's been spending a ton of time uh, in the corners, you know, the past week. And, uh, you know, he's been working and working and working, and you start to see that pay off, and then that confidence goes, you know, now teams have to guard him and close him out. Now he can drive to the basket and finish and play to his strength. So, um, you know, it's it's his work ethic. You know, it's his commitment to it um, that's given him an opportunity to have some success. I agree with that. There's a uh, – the, the one thing that I've always given JBB credit for is, you know, like during the uh, pandemic, during the – when everything was locked down, before the bubble thing started, he was on a podcast that we talked about here um, where he was – I think him and uh, – what was the old coach from New York, one of his best friends, the, the stats, the, that guy, Fitz, Fizdale. Him and oh my Fizdale. god, I forgot about Fizdale. He got <laughs> fired in uh, Memphis, right? Memphis, yeah. So he when he got Everybody fired got in Memphis, JBB took over. Then he went up to New York. Um, but uh, what did he say? Take that for data. That guy. Um, yeah, they were both yeah. being interviewed on uh, all the smoke. Even if the guys were joking, like Steve uh, Stephen Jackson and uh, whatever, like JBB was always forward thinking, and like I picked up on there's a psychology to yeah. him. Like, and yeah. he knew, okay, I know these guys are joking and stuff, but let me make sure I make this substantive. Like there's ways that he would answer questions where he was like, if this is one guy's only chance to get some perspective on how to approach this, mm -hmm. this challenge that's in front of us, mm -hmm. let me make sure I reach that one guy, you know, or mm -hmm. that, that one kid that's struggling at home right now mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, that's cool. And so he he is that in the locker room, and but he also brought that to the sideline. And so what you're speaking to, um, I think, starts at with him, and we have to give him credit for that. The one thing that's consistent is JBB is going to get frustrated with the officials and fight the officials, but he's also going to uh, empower and uplift the guys that are playing for him. So like I don't see him doing too much in real time where he's berating and trying to you know tear down or make guys think twice while we're playing the game. Mm -hmm. I will see um, he'll, he'll call somebody over, but I see more of that, the instruction and the correction and stuff from Buckner and Lowe when those guys get up off the bench. Mm -hmm. With JBB, I think he set the tone for 
you know, move on to the next play. I'll fight your battles for you with the stripes, but you guys stay locked in on what's, you know, what's happening with those other guys with the other jerseys mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. And so there's been plays where I've seen a coral get frustrated with a teammate or whatever like that. And the, and the guys, they just turn around and they go back the other way. And then the next thing, the next break, you see them high five each other. And I think that starts with JBB. It's like next play. Yeah. Like let's, let's move on. That was a, we turned it over. We did this. We did that next play kind of thing. And so it starts with the coach. The antithesis of that jig is uh, like a Rick Carlisle. Everything that's coming out right now, that's detailing the way everything fell apart with him in Dallas um, because somebody is writing a book and uh, Dennis Smith Jr. jumped on the back back of it. Oh, there was an article that was just published that showed why why Carlisle lost Doncic. And they were like, basically, you know, Luca didn't like the way he treated the guys while they were playing. They, they you know, mm-hmm. there was two different, hey, I'm going to treat Luca this way and I'm going to treat everybody else this way. But mm-hmm. Carlisle has always had issues with you know, like the Rondos, the Darren Williams, the all those guys, like whenever there's guys that are like, hey, I got this on the floor or, hey, I, just, I need you to back me up with this or that. Carlisle goes the other way. And so mm-hmm. he uh, he eventually wears on guys over the course of his tenure there, kind of like Tibbs is doing in New York mm-hmm. right now, because he's mm-hmm. always like every possession. He's tearing down something in his own, you know, like on his own team. And guys are just like, man, we don't we don't want to play like that. We don't want to play with that. Mm-hmm. The antithesis of, of Carlisle is JBB. He's building guys up. Next play, I'll fight your battles. Yep. You focus on the battles that's on the court. And I think we have to give. Yes, we got a good mix, but I think we got to give more credit to uh, the coach for that. I love that. Yeah, that, that that's that's I, I'm I'm right on board with you. That's the impression I get as well of what's going on out there. And I think that that's the current um, style of coach. I, I different generation of guys, man. Guys don't take to the same stuff now as they did uh, when you and I were, when you and I were kids watching a different generation of yeah. basketball. Like the Pat Riley thing wouldn't work right now. No, um, it doesn't. No, it, it clearly doesn't. Guys just don't take to it. They're looking for a different type of uh, guidance and energy from their coaches. The guys who used to, even back then, we would watch them and we were like, wait, they, these guys are playing with a certain type of fire and they're unleashed. You could always count on a Don Nelson and a George Carl team. They always had a personality to them that was like, coach told me, just come out here and ball, you know? And as long as I'm doing what he's asking, I'm going to get my minutes. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to give you everything I got. Like, think mm-hmm. about some of the guys who played under them, like, uh, for Carl in Denver, he Kenyon Martin, the Marcus Camby, those kind of guys, mm-hmm. they 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 had ways to express themselves within the system. Think about mm-hmm. Don Nelson, where he always, everywhere he went, he was unleashing some mm-hmm. dogs. And so the model for this team this year, it, you know, uh, is not what what is the Cavs thing? Let them know or something like that. Let them know. Yeah, no, we're know. not going to do that. What they're actually doing is the team as a whole. They they got this dog mentality. Mm-hmm. And you hear them talking about they're barking, they're doing this, they're doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's their personality is coming out on the court. It's, it's not a bunch mm-hmm. of shy guys. It's not like um, me and my pops are talking about those Richfield teams, and it was like, yeah, but you knew when the going got tough, you couldn't count on Doherty or Nance or even Hot Rod to really. Well, like, the Bulls called him a bunch of marshmallows, yeah, right? Right, something <laughs> like that. Like, and when Lambeer laid out price mid season. And no, nobody did anything. That yeah, wouldn't happen. I don't here. like that. That would like that, that like that would not happen here. Like we know, so we don't necessarily have a Oakley or a Mahorn or a Lambeer. 
But you know, like, if you do something to DG, ICE is coming for you. You know that those big guys got his back. Um, I've seen people try to mix it up with Mobley even, where he walks away, but it's got like a quiet kind of, if I press this guy more, he might take my head off kind of thing. It just feels like the perfect mix if you watch these personalities clash. The more I'm talking, I'm I'm like, man, I'm about to jump on the road and drive down to Atlanta for this game. I think you need to go, man. This ain't helping me, Jig. I can't. I I I'm, I never told you not to go. I I would if I had the tickets, I'd go. So rubber rim job, guys. Uh, I've got these courtside tickets for tonight. I'm in, I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, so I'm three and a half hours north of of Atlanta. And uh, initially, I was like, this is a Christmas gift. I'm gonna take my dad. I'm you know my pops is not far from me, and that's our thing. We used to go to Richfield Coliseum. Well, here it is, day of the game, and we're recording this podcast early. And I, I just can't get, get up the motivation to jump on this road. I'm getting ready to reach out to somebody. And I actually did on the board last night. I said, if anybody's in Atlanta area, let me know. But you're, the more I'm talking to you, the more I'm, I'm talking about getting lost in the moment. I'm getting ready to pack up the car. I, I, th- I think you're going to have to do it, man. Head down 75. I think you need to do it. I, I, again, <laughs> I never told you not to do it. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm in love with this team. I'm in love with the way this team has come together. Um, my early criticisms of JBB, my early criticisms of some of the roster construction. It's not that it's fallen by the wayside, but I'm watching these guys settle into what he's already defined for him. There's times like I just saw a post on the board yesterday from my boy Lee. Shout out to Lee out in Arizona. Lee. Um, Dad joke king. Dad joke king. Lovely. I just saw a, a post from him where he was like, yeah, Rich was right about Garland and about yada, yada, yada. Yes, I love the prep to pro stuff. Like I'm, I'm watching these guys really early, and I'm like, oh, they can be this if, if this and that falls in the order. But when it comes to the full team construction, sometimes I don't even see, I don't see it. You know what I'm saying? Like there's times where I'm like, I don't, like I don't get why JBB was so incessantly playing this Lamar Stevens and this and that. He had a plan for roles, and mm-hmm. you know, like he, like he, when he subbed in Wade instead of going to that guy when he was like, you know what? I'm going to start Stevens instead of Windler just last night. Mm-hmm. He's thinking to himself, the rest of these guys are used to playing with a core out there. I'm not going to throw a jetty replacement, you know, like it's it like, and I get it now, but you, mm-hmm. you know, unless you got your finger on the pulse of it, you don't mm-hmm. always see the, the forest for the trees. Mm-hmm. And I have to give credit to JBB because it feels like over this 30, this first 30 games or so he's, made every right move in regard to developing for this cavalanche to actually take hold in a cavalanche. <laughs> you got to give him credit. Like I'm, uh, I'm not going to uh, po- make a Kobe letter from the desk of Kobe Altman kind of thing. Proclamation. <laughs> this is looking like a team that can fight for home court advantage this it year. It does look like that. It looks like they could, they could end up in the top three and certainly as far as the future goes, and I'm with you, you want to focus on the present with a present, team like present. this. I, I, I'm, I'm not for the record. I'm really not into making any big moves with this team. I'm really not. Yeah. I, um, I, I like, I like them all the way down to number eight. I like them all the way down to Lamar Stevens, D Wade. I tell you what, there is one guy I want to talk about real quick. I want to talk about KP, Kevin Pangos. What are we talking about here? Just take it easy, champ. Why don't you stop talking for a while? Maybe sit the next couple plays out. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm going to quit saying things when they crop up there in the old skull, huh? An unselfish 
<laughs> Maestro with the ball. With a pair of calves that if combined with the quads of Mr. Ice could turn into a Frankenstein monster of cavalanche proportions that no team in the league could ever compete with. Are you telling me Pangos has got those Olympic uh, calves? You know he's an Olympian. Let me see. He's got some pretty impressive calves. The kind of calves that the calves... <laughs> Wait. So before you finish that thought, I, I want to challenge you really quickly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, about what? Google Kevin Pangos. The fourth image, he's wearing the Zags. He's, he's, he's back at Gonzaga. Yeah. He's got these locks, man. Kevin yeah. Kevin Pangos, I think he should grow these locks back out. Like he's he had locks. He had locks. I mean, like you know, he had some beautiful curly yeah. locks. He's yeah. just typing Kevin Pangos. Lot. I mean, guys lose hair in a hurry as they get older. Some of them. Let me see this dude. He looks. He did. He had some nice hair. This dude looks like he just looks like every kid that you went to high school with that was like just like mid-range quality varsity basketball player in indiana kevin pangos he just looks like an indiana average basketball player that's what he looks like and i, I just i can't whenever i see him out there i i just and he just looks i don't know he just doesn't look like a credible basketball player i wasn't I prepared for this to be a cav that's all I really got on Pangos. So, so are we going to, um, the one place uh, to build on your eight guys, don't touch them. I do believe, I so I'm, I'm actually buying in to, a shout out to Rich. Rich has been, for the last couple weeks, banging this drum that, yes, let's be present. And he's, you know, he's on board now with the with the Garland mania. He, of all he, people, Rich. He fought it for a long time. He's a tough, he's a and tough I, soul. I finally got him to admit that he sees the vision with Garland now. But the one place that he's raising a concern about a 9 through 12 guy that I, I agree with is that next point guard, which is talking about your, your calf here. Yeah, it's not Pangos. It's not Pangos. And the fear is that Garland and Rubio both go into protocol at the same time. We cannot have that happen. because that You can't have Kevin Pangos out cannot. there running the offense. So, um, and you, you also can't uh, rely on... Jetty. Jetty is like, look, I, I no, got I got a guy. role and I got one thing to do, and that is play the passing lanes and, and score. That's right. Um, so we're Playing not point guard able. is not that role. Not um so they probably do need to find somebody out there that can handle the ball. But beyond that, there's we're starting to see some transactions around the league because uh they just adjusted some of the protocol uh things where you're allowed to sign a guy for uh, hardship for ten days. That's why Isaiah Thomas got signed. Oh, is that what it is? Okay, yeah, got it. Um, but then people like Daniel House just got cut with uh, Houston. Uh, he would be the ideal kind of 9 through 12 guy where you could see him sneaking into JBB's rotation at some point in time, uh, Daniel House. Um, so anyway, there's pickups like that. There's transactions around the uh, peripheral that we could make to bolster – that nine through 12, where we're just like, that guy could potentially crack the rotation. Right. Um, Cause the Denzel Valentines and those kind of guys, that's not, yeah, no, please don't do that. That, I need Denzel out of there as (laughs) as soon as possible. I I can't, I can't, I can't, I just can't handle him in there anymore. 
So uh, have we uh, have we touched on everybody? I think going I think down- we've touched. I, I think we've touched on everybody. I'm 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 pleased with what all we've done today. The overarching theme from Rubber Rim Job is enjoy every single one of these games, man. Buckle up. Yes, this team is 19 and 12. They're third in the East. They're on a six game winning streak. They are weathering storms in real time because they have an identity. It doesn't even seem like we're going through the same thing that the other teams around the league are, but we are. And it's amazing to see that uh, Kobe and JBB have their finger on the pulse of this team and they, they can weather these storms. It's, it's been pretty awesome to see. I'd like to give everybody uh, one final piece of advice myself before I sign up. Wake up early because it's time to stop sleeping on the Cavs. Nice. Well played. Rubber Rim Job signing off, episode four. <laughs> the worst part about that is how tickled you are. By <laughs> Rich and Jig yeah, signing off. That's Rubber for Lee. That's for Lee. <laughs> this is Joe Tate. Have a good night, everybody. <laughs>